Hey, everybody. This is Jimmy Bell. I play guitar for Autograph and House of Lords, and you are listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hey everyone, Michael Citro here, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode number 85, and I'm talking with guitarist Jimmy Bell from the bands Autograph and House of Lords, two very, very good bands. House of Lords dropped the album Saints and Sinners back on September 16th on Frontiers Music, and Autograph has an album coming out November 18th on Frontiers Music called Beyond. And this is Jimmy's first album with Autograph. So it was great to talk to Jimmy. He is a talented guy. He played a member of the Huns in the Michael J. Fox, Joan Jett movie, Light of Day. I asked him about that. We also talked about his band opening for Joan Jett on tour. Uh, We talked about his invention, The Shredneck. We talked about these two great new albums and a lot more. It was a, a fun conversation. I can't wait to bring that your way. Before we get to that, here's a little housekeeping for you. I invite you to visit michaelsrecordcollection.com where there are links to everything. You can follow me on social media and the links are all there. It's at Mike's Records on Twitter and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. There are also links on the website to my free newsletter. You can sign up for that and get that in your email every week. And there is a link to my Patreon site where you can go find the different levels of support and for as little as $2 a month, You can support this independent podcast and my independent writing, and the higher your Patreon support, the more benefits you get for that support. So I hope you'll at least take a look and consider supporting the show. You can also drop me a line at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. With all the housekeeping out of the way, can't wait to bring you that Jimmy Bell interview. So here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. Joining me today the guitar player from Autograph and House of Lords, and a member of the New England Music Hall of Fame, Jimmy Bell is with me. Jimmy, thanks for your time. Oh, my pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Where Where are you uh, calling in on Zoom from today? I am uh, I live in Connecticut, actually. Sort of close to Hartford, but it's, uh, you know, outside of it. Uh, you know, so I do my eight-mile walk at 3.30 in the morning in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. No more worries. Power, more power to you. So we're going to talk a little bit about a brand new album coming from Autograph, uh, which is called Beyond. It drops November 18th on Frontiers Music. also want to talk to you about a recent release that you were on with House of Lords that just came out September 16th, also on Frontiers. Uh, that album's called Saints and Sinners. Before we get into those two albums, though, I wanted to ask you about your musical background, and uh, I want to start with what was your first favorite record? Oh, well, uh, man, you caught me there, but I guess one of my most influenced, the record that really influenced me the most was uh, Deep Purple's Machine Head. Uh, Of course, you know, that was a little bit later on. I mean, I was, you know, I grew up listening to Grand Funk. You know, I had their uh, double live album before they had the keyboard player. I absolutely loved that album. Mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin II was one of the first albums I bought. Matter of fact, I, I brought it back three times because I thought in uh, 
in a whole lot of love when they go into that weird part. I thought the record was warped. So I kept <laughs> returning the record <laughs> until I realized I said, there's something wrong with this record every time it gets to this spot, you know, but, uh, machine head was a game changer for me. Uh, you know, I was really got into Richie Blackmore and one other record I have to tell you was what started my musical journey on guitar was from guitarist Johnny Winter. It was uh, called Johnny Winter and it mm -hmm. was a live album. It had Rick Derringer on it. And the guitar playing on that is what, what really kind of took me away from my drum scholarship that I had and landed me into guitar. And I never looked back. Well, Johnny Winter and, and Rick Derringer will do that, I think. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Johnny was just, that album is just amazing that Johnny Winter and. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to know. Did Now, were you the first one in your family to become a musician? Were there musicians previously in your family? Well, I'm an only child, uh, number one. But um, my mom used to get up and sing with bands. Uh, she knows how to play piano a little bit, but uh, she would always get up and sit in with, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the groups that were around. So she had the voice. And I guess basically, you know, they could see that I really love music. You know, when I was a, a baby, they used to put me to sleep with records on. But uh, my first love for music was really big band music. You know, I grew up listening to uh, Glenn Miller, Benny Goodman, you know, Harry James, Gene yeah. Krupa. I was, you know, being a drummer, I was a big Gene Krupa freak, you know. So, uh, you know, that's what I kind of started off with. Wow. That's uh, that's unusual for uh you know, a guy who known for uh, some guitar shredding to uh, to have come up <laughs> with that kind of music, but that's that's great. See, it, it, everybody kind of arrives at their path a little differently, so I always yeah. like to ask about that. How old were you when you started with guitar lessons? Well, let's see. I was a drummer from ten to thirteen. I, you know, I had a guitar when I was a kid. You know, and, and you know, I held it upside down because I'm left-handed. You know, the strings were all backwards at first. So I played music all through my school years, but guitar I took up seriously at age 13. And that's really kind of where that story uh, started. And when I was a drummer, the guys came over to my house and I was jamming with some guys. They were in high school. The guitar player left his guitar out of the case. And it was, uh, he had an old seventies, big muff fuzz. So after he left, I go, Oh, you know, so I, I turned on the amp and turned on the fuzz box and I hit a low string on his guitar. It was a right-handed guitar, but you know, I, I just played it. And then that sound just went, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. I mean, from that point, I, I literally dropped my drum scholarship immediately to learn how to play guitar. How long did it take you before you realized that you really had a knack or, or a talent for that instrument? Uh, well, honestly, it, it, it happened kind of fast because once I got the guitar in my hand, I never put it down. So I started about you know, late 13. And by the age of uh, 15 and early 16, I was already playing out in clubs and I had already started uh, developing my my picking skills because when I first started playing guitar, you know, listening to Johnny Winter, because Johnny had a lot of really fast chops along with blues, uh, great blues chops. And then there was Richie Blackmore I was listening to. And so in my mind, I thought to be a good guitar player, you had to be a fast guitar player. That's at least that's what I really caught my ear was when somebody did something fast and went, wow, did you hear that? So I really practiced hard 
picking techniques and everything. I tried to develop my speed skills. So in my early days, that was kind of what I got known for right away was mm -hmm. being able to do that. And then as I progressed, this hand and this hand started really sinking really well. So everything started flowing real nice. So that's when, uh, you know, the it, people started to really, you know, notice what I was doing, yeah. basically. Let's move a, a forward a few years now. You were, you were in a band that was invited to tour with Joan Jett. And I guess the story is that's how you got to be a member of the Huns in the Michael J. Fox, Joan Jett movie, Light of Day. Is that correct? That's exactly how it was. We were, uh, uh, we were with a management uh, company. We got picked up by uh, someone that lived, uh, that was working for Blackheart Records. He was starting a new management company and he was partnered with a guy that owned a fleet of tour buses. I mean, everybody uses tour buses, Motley Crue, all the big mm -hmm. bands. So um, they, they, uh, he saw us and signed us on. And immediately, you know, all we had was a three song cassette, <laughs> which was kind of <laughs> weird, but immediately put us out on tour with Joan Jett. Joan was doing an East Coast run and they gave us a tour bus, a driver. And, you know, we're in our, our very early 20s and, you know, you know, we didn't make any money except for ten dollars a day. But what the hell did we care? We were <laughs> we were out on tour with Joe Jett and going, yeah. you know, just going mental, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, so it was one of those things that just worked out great. And I got to be, you know, pretty friendly with Joan. Like she didn't she uh, she actually took time with me and not, not with the other guys, though, but she actually liked talking to me. And uh, I'm the only one that has a photo with her and I together from back then. And we used to talk and uh, hang out and laugh, you know, so we had a, 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 you know, a very good relationship during that whole thing. And then when uh, the tour ended, you know, the thing came up for the Michael J. Fox movie. Uh, we still had to send our photos in to the producer, but mm -hmm. uh, they picked us right away because, you know, we had to look, you know, back then. We, they just wanted to make sure we. We didn't look like insurance salesmen or something. <laughs> you know, that's all. Yeah. Got to look like the rockers that are going to be on the on the movie. So that's right. That's awesome. And, and of course, you're also on the soundtrack album. Yes. Yeah. We did the soundtrack al uh, album in, uh, in New York at the record plant. That was a great experience, uh, as well. Getting to record there a lot of history at that place, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You're also a bit of an inventor. You, uh, you came up with a, a device called the shred neck to yes. help people, uh, to help people get their fingers limber and to maybe practice their, their, uh, their fret fingering. Uh, what can you tell me about how that came about? 
Well, it, that's it's a great story. I um, I had busted my see. I'm left-handed, so uh, my my right hand is my fretboard hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hit my hand wrong on something, and I popped my knuckle down. This this knuckle right here. So I had a half cast on these two fingers, and I had these two exposed. So I was. Believe it or not, I came up with a lot of great runs just using two fingers while my hand was in a half cast because I refused not to practice, you know. So, uh, but once I got the uh, half cast off, it was only on for about a month and a half or something like that. I asked this guy to, you know, there were a lot of finger exercises and I wanted to work my hand all the time, not just practicing guitar. I wanted to work it where I I could drive or whatever and, and get keep my hand working. So I, I asked some buddy of mine who was building some guitars to make me a half a neck. I go, can you make me a half a neck here? You know, like seven frets, put some tuners on it and just some strings so I could run my fingers across it. And what I was doing basically was practicing, just running my fingers on the fretboard, keeping my calluses strong because it had real strings on it. So I was digging my hands into the strings and everything. Yeah. Now the, my, the whole concept with the shred neck is it's like working out with weights. You, you don't, can't tune it to a pitch, but what it is, it's an exercise machine. So in other words, you can have the strings real loose and practice pull-offs or hammer-ons if you want, or just practice going up and down the fretboard. So that's kind of what I was doing with it. And, um, I had a prototype in my car. I went to my buddy's house and he's really into having things created. So I went to his house and he comes out, he goes, he sees it in my car. He goes, what's that thing? I go, oh, this is, I had a buddy of mine make me this, you know, piece of wood here with some frets on it. So he pulls out of my car, looking at it, you know, he's one of these guys, you know, the next thing I know, he calls me, says, you got to come to the house. He's got all these prototypes coming in from China, you know, of this piece being built. And I'm going like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So uh, we really went to went to town on perfecting it. And that's how the whole thing with the shred net came about. So now we got, you know, we have a, a classical version, a, a, a one called the dread neck, which is an acoustic version. We have bass mm-hmm. versions. We have many practice bases now that you can actually play in tune and many travel guitars, everything. The line really has expanded quite a bit. That's great. Sounds like it's uh, going well for you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you joined Autograph in 2019, uh, an established band that had been, you know, I guess they call them a one hit wonder from the 80s. But to me, they weren't because I had their album. So I knew more than one song. Um, But then they broke up for a while, got back together. 
And uh, the new album comes out November 18th. This is the eighth studio album, I believe. And your first with the band, is that correct? Yes, it's my first. And it's yourself on guitar. Uh, Randy Rand, the original bassist, played bass on this album. He sadly passed away in April. And uh, Simon Daniels, uh, vocalist, he's been in the band since it reformed in 2013. He also plays guitar. And and Mark Weiland on drums, uh, who joined in 2014. This had to be just an absolute blow to to be putting this music together and then and then Randy passes away. Well, you know, fortunate well, none of it's fortunate, but I I would say uh, you know, the blessing is is that Randy played on the whole record and the record was all turned in. The artwork, everything was all submitted to Frontiers 2 weeks prior to uh Randy's passing. It was really strange. And and the whole thing came about is because Frontiers, you know, I've been with them with, you know, House of Lords since 2005. So yeah. I, you know, and I played on a lot of other things that that are on Frontiers label because mm-hmm. I, I actually absolutely love those guys. And uh, they called me about one of these super group projects that they put together. So in the meantime, while they were talking to me about that, uh, they they knew I was an autograph, and they said, "How's things going?" And I said, "Oh, great, you know, or, you know, writing up." He said, "You write songs?" I go, "Yeah, of course, you know, because they know I write songs." You know, I said, "Yeah, I'm writing a bunch of songs, and we're doing stuff, you know, putting things together." So I didn't mention it anymore. And then the next email, you know, we're talking about the other thing, and then they mentioned autograph again a little bit. I go, "Hmm, what's going on?" <laughs> you know, so you know, I I. Uh, I didn't, you know, say any more about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, a record proposal came through, which was great. You know, I was uh, I was thrilled because the guys really wanted to be on that label. So it was just something that, uh, you know, Randy was like blown away that this uh, was happening. And, you know, Simon and Mark were just thrilled. So we got right to work. We had already, you know, me and Simon had been working on some things. And I always, uh, ever since I joined Autograph, my ma- my main thing was, you know, they gave me freedom to do whatever I wanted in the band. Mm-hmm. The only thing they asked was just to play to turn up the radio solo. I said, well, obviously, I would never change that solo anyway. Mm-hmm. I said, but every other song, they let me just do anything I wanted. But I said, this is fine. I said, uh, I'm I'm really enjoying playing these songs. But I said, you you do have to realize that I write songs and I, I want to do something with this band. You know, I want it. I don't want to just go out and play the uh, the old stuff. Uh, you know, I'd like to see what we could do as a new band. And they were all about it because right from the get go, when we uh, went to our first rehearsal, it, the band sounded like we had been playing together for years. It wasn't even like uh, we walked in that rehearsal room. I played one song with them and they knew I was their guitar player right off the bat. But I kind of knew them prior to, uh, you know, I met uh simon and and mark and everybody a few times before then and you know i talked with randy a lot and i sent randy some original ideas right right when i got in the band while i was learning their songs you know i wanted to show him that i could write some stuff and he was blown away so he was thrilled to be on this he he played incredible on this record when i tell you i'm not just saying that because he passed away by any means this is he gave an incredible performance on this record it's one of these things where, you know, I listen to him play. And when I want, you know, Randy and I were very close on stage. We we connected, you know, we always were interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. And Randy has a very lazy style of just rocking on the bass, you know. 
just plays the parts, not, you know, doesn't try to, you know, go mental, but it's thunderous. And that came across like that on this record. And he did some amazing bass lines. I, well, I'm sure you heard it's just yeah. very solid, you know. Yeah. Yeah, these songs are really good, uh, very melodic. If, if there's people out there that haven't um, followed Autograph's career since uh, since Turn Up the Radio, you're you're missing out because there's there's a lot of great music that you guys have put out over the years. Uh, you have a band before you you joined, and then this new album, which I think is going to do pretty well for you guys. It sounds it sounds really good. The the songs are very strong, and it's it's twelve songs. You know, great variety a little bit in here. One of my favorites on the album, maybe you can talk a little bit about this, is I absolutely love the doubled guitar solo in Beautiful Disaster. That's uh, that's actually uh, one of Simon's songs. And, um, you know, it was one of these things. He he gave me the song. He says, what can you do over this? And I said, well, when that part came up, I said, let me do a sort of a, you know, I tried to keep a little bit of I tried to bring back a little the old style, the old sound of some of the autograph things a little bit into this. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, even though we're we were doing something totally brand new, I wanted to keep a little bit of tradition in, within the songs. So I, I I know how to do the two handed tapping thing and everything. I said, let me just do something there in harmony, you know, just to try and see what that sounds like. And it was kind of like uh, like a very cool thing that just kind of happened. And I did one track of it, and 
I said, well, let me, you know, let me harmonize that. Let me see if I could pull this off. And I did. And then once the harmony layer on it, I said, wow, this is, you know, I sent it to them. They, they freaked out. So it was cool. Yeah, I, thank really, you. I, I think it really pops the way it's, the way it's doubled like that. I think it sounds great. And it brings me to uh, my, the question I always have for guitar players is you've been doing this a while. You've, you've soloed, you've written, I don't know how many solos you've written. <laughs> how hard is it to write a solo that you've that is unique because you've you've done so many different ways of, uh, and styles of solos that you know at some point you would think do you subconsciously just write a solo and then find out later oh that's very similar to one i did you know five years ago or whatever well i mean i think that happens in writing of songs too you know like mm -hmm. i've my computer is loaded with songs, maybe like 200 songs that I've done since I've got this recording studio. And I only got it at the beginning of uh, at late November of last year because I never needed it before until until now. You know, it's one of these things, you know, you can't help to uh, repeat yourself sometimes, even though you don't try to. You know, you have a certain guitar style, certain things that you do. But I do solos two different ways. I'll either sit and work something out where I know that this is exactly what I, I'm going to do when the record button goes, or I'm sitting at, like I'm doing right now, sitting at my recording station, and I just start playing around. You know, I'll, I'll hit play, and let me try that, you know, I and I don't work anything out. And then once I get uh, a similar thing that I kind of like, you know, a few parts, I'll, I'll hit record just to see what happens. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you get some great magic. I did one solo. It, it was funny. My wife happened to be downstairs. I was writing a song for somebody. And um, she happened to be downstairs just sitting on my couch over here. And she happened to, you know, put her phone on when I did a solo in one take uh, and, and recorded me. I didn't know she was doing that. But it was funny. It came out so good that I was so happy that she actually filmed it because it was... Uh, it was one of these things and it was and I was grateful that I hit the record button because sometimes you do something and you don't hit the record button. Then when you go back to do it, it's nowhere near what the magic that you just had. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always good to have the record button going. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. So out of these 12 songs, how many of these were Jimmy Bell songs that you wrote or that you at least started and then someone else kind of maybe helped you finish it off? I, I did all of them except for two. Simon okay. brought in Simon brought in Slave Tonight and Beautiful Disaster. He already had those two songs written. And everything else I wrote, you know, I write a foundation. I'm I'll never take credit and go, I wrote this part, you know, it's not mm -hmm. like that. I write a, a, a complete song. I give it to the guys. They could tear it apart into pieces if they want. Uh -huh. As long as I give them a good solid foundation, they say, Yes, I like this. I'm gonna go to work on this. Then Simon went ahead and uh, did all the vocals and uh, and melody lines and stuff, and and uh, uh, Randy added, uh, you know, had had some ideas. Mark added some drum ideas, but Mark's our producer as well, so we he went in there and altered some stuff once the production part came. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a, a band effort, but it, at least for the majority, that that's how I did it. Even that's how I do it. Even with House of Lords, I give them a full song. Mm -hmm. Whether they, you know, cut it up or, you know, leave it the way it is, that's, that's on them. Yeah. You know, now do you guys share the credits on that then? Like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's great because I, I was just recently talking about 
Pink Floyd's Animals album. And there's most of this stuff is credited on that album to Roger Waters. And you know, Roger Waters did not write the keyboard parts that Rick Wright's playing. So it's like, it's kind of weird. You're, you're sitting there thinking, why does this guy get credit for writing the song when he clearly didn't write this other part that's integral to the song? Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. When you're in a band situation and also you want to keep peace with the band. Perfect example. I was, you know, you watched a, uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. I, you know, I, I like watching that. And in somewhere in the segment when they're recording, they're arguing about getting whose song on the record because they they all kept their own personal credits for the thing. And then when they get Freddie back in the band, they say everything's just written by Queen equals split, and and it keeps peace. Mm-hmm. And and why not? We're a band. We're four. We're like a family. So. Uh, if one person does more and the other one doesn't do as much, it doesn't make a difference because yeah. we're a family. And and uh, it's it, you know and look at it, it's not the record industry the way the way it is now. It's not like it was back in those days. It is what it is. If we all get a couple bucks from it, that's great. You know. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about beyond uh, the recording process and writing process. How long did it take to put this together? And was this all during the pandemic? Was it after the lockdown? Give me, give me sort of a time frame of when you guys started. And, and I know you guys uh, well, wrapped up kinda, just, it, just this early this year. Well, we know it, it came, it came in, let's see, we did 20, uh, it came early, uh, right? We did all of our summer dates in 2021. Uh, you know, we had a, a big right after the, uh, you know, after COVID, all our tour dates started up. So right at the beginning of June of 2021, you know, things started rolling again. So we were very, very busy the whole summer. Mm-hmm. And then later on is when the, uh, you know, the negotiations about the contract came in. But once that all happened, we put our mind to it. They gave us, you know, they give you a time frame. You know, we want we want it. Uh, we want it delivered by a certain, I think we, I can't remember if we signed it in February. I know we were on the road, believe it or not. I have a photo of us signing the contract. We were playing a gig somewhere, somewhere around December. I think it was in December, actually. Mm-hmm. We signed the contract. We gave, they gave us a time frame uh, right after that, maybe from uh, January to uh, before the end of April. 
And we had the thing, we had that record, we got right to work on it. And uh, we had that record turned in two weeks before we were supposed to, which was great, especially considering what happened with Randy. It was just a blessing. The only thing we had to uh, do after Randy's passing is we wanted to have a a special page in the booklet dedicated to him. So we had to uh, redo some of the artwork um, in the booklet. Only fitting, of course, you know. Yeah. Now, did Frontiers provide the artwork for the album? Nope. No, we did all that ourselves. We had a, we had our uh, our guy that takes care of our website and everything else. He's a, he's a, he's in a real you know popular band, plays bass, you know, as well. So he takes care of that and does the graphic designing and all that. He's a he's a wicked intelligent Marty O'Brien. He's absolutely incredible. Yeah. How much uh, or how many albums is your deal with Frontiers? Well, I think they always do a three album deal. I'm not, I'm not positive. It's, uh, you know, the first one, then the, op- the options on them, if they want to keep going, Yeah, yeah. you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, the rack, the, I'll, I'll tell you the reaction so far on this record has been outstanding. Every interview that I've done and I couldn't be happier because it makes me feel good that I, I know Randy's looking down and smiling because he looked, he loved every single song on this record. He put his heart and soul into it, but it makes me feel really good that being, uh, you know, in the band, you know, just over three years that I was able to come in and, and really accomplish something for this band. I mean, uh, like, you know, especially with the, the, the reviews being so well from, you know, you know, all the interviews so far. So I'm very, I'm very pleased. I'm honored to be with the band. I love the guys. I really do. Yeah, it's great. It's important for you to to get along and, and everything. And Oh, it, we do. <laughs> it seems like it. It seems like it, just from, you know, the, the social media interaction, it seems like it. But uh, out of these 12 songs, do you have a favorite? I'm pretty particular to take me higher. Okay. I like the song a lot. Uh, I like the opening track. This ain't the place I want to be. Cause I, that was my idea for that was to, um, that when I wrote that whole thing was to try and bring some of the vibe of the old, the old thing, uh, the old sound into that song, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is exactly what it ended up being, but take me higher. I just, when I listened to it, it has such a strong chorus. Simon did just a, a miraculous job on that song. 
that I I go like, wow, this is a beautiful quote. You know, it, it just lifts. It comes. Yeah, the song just constantly lifts and lifts by the time it gets to the chorus. You know, it's it's uh, it's really cool. I I love uh, I love Gotta Get Ya. I there's just something about that song uh, that's just a straight rocking tune. You know, I just kind of dig it. Everybody has their favorites. Uh, uh, people in Europe, the interviews I do do in Europe, all love the song "To Be Together." They really like that that track a lot more. And and honestly, I, I barely listened to that one. Uh, <laughs> so it was kind of funny when they wanted to when Frontiers wanted to put that out as one of the lyric videos. I go, really? Oh, okay, whatever you want to do. <laughs> well, it's it's good that that it's being received like that because as the album closer, it's important because it makes the listener want to listen again. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. For live shows, you guys have replaced Randy with, with Steve Unger from Metal Church. Is that correct? Yeah. he's uh, Steve offered to come in and, and fill in on, on all dates. You know, we haven't made an official announcement or anything. We just, mm -hmm. you know, people were, you know, asking us, well, you know, who's playing bass? Who's playing? I mean, we couldn't just, you know, we, we had to take somebody quickly uh, because we had, uh, contracts that were signed you know prior to randy's passing that we had we were obligated to mm -hmm. uh so steve stepped in because he you know he came in he could sing really well played the parts uh really solid he's there he totally understands the situation he never says hey when are you gonna you know when are you gonna announce that i'm an official member he never brings that up he's just he he knows he comes to all the gigs and everything what we'll, we'll the the time will be right if if that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, when, I mean, yeah. Today is the past six months for Randy passing. Today. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I know you guys are doing some live shows, and you've you've been playing some of the new tracks already. How are they going down uh, with the incredible? Audience? We added. Uh, we started off with uh, "This Ain't the Place I Want to Be." And that just went over incredible. But over um, over this past show that we just did in California with uh, Quiet Riot, we added Gotta Get You and uh, Take Me Higher. And they they just went over fabulous. I was I was thrilled. I, uh, we, I really wanted to get Take Me Higher into the set because it's one of those, I call it a mid-tempo ballad. Simon doesn't call it that, but uh, <laughs> I consider it one of those Def Leppard, you know, that type of vibe, you sure. know? Yeah. And I, I really dig that. And, uh, it just went over really good. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we're very selective of what we want to do. Of course, you know, when you come out with a new record, you can't 
you know, can't load up the 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 set list with all new songs. Although we'd love to, mm-hmm. but we have you know we have to do some of the other classics as well. Yeah, and it's tough for you guys. I mean, especially you just talked about playing with Quiet Riot. I know you've got a few on your website that are coming up as well with Quiet Riot, and there between Autograph and Quiet Riot, you've got what Rudy Sarzo as the one real like original member, but a lot of people are still, they still associate the name with those old songs, even though these bands have been around a long time and put out a lot of albums and a lot and have written a lot of songs since those eighties heyday. And, and some of these performers like Simon, for example, he's been in the band almost 10 years now. And yeah, 10 years, decade now. (laughs) So it, they, you know, you're in a band for 10 years. You have some ownership in that. Even if you're not, even if you weren't there, you know, when the band, was was created exactly. right well yeah well let's put it this way simon's been the lead singer of autograph longer than steve plunkett was the band mm-hmm. the band uh, you know dissolved way before then the original lineup didn't last that long here's the deal when simon got asked to join the band uh, kenny kenny richards you know steve and randy were were in the band they they there were three guys three of the original guys in the band they went to, you know, they had asked Steve Plunkett uh, originally when they were going to get back together, but Steve, you know, he doesn't need it. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. You know, he does great on his own doing whatever he's, you know, been doing uh, commercials, whatnot. He just didn't want to know about it. So they went on, you know, Kenny passed away pretty early. Steve quit in 2019. And then, um, you know, then Randy passed away, you know, Simon's been that that guy for 10 years, you know, and a lot of people recognize him as, as, you know, the singer of autograph. He's, he does an incredible job. I love Simon's voice. I love working with him. I like his, his, his look, his personality. He's an incredible guitar player. A lot, a lot of people, he only plays rhythm uh, with, with uh, autograph and a couple lead lines, but that guy could play guitar like unbelievable. And, and, not many people even know that yeah. <laughs> he plays acoustic guitar, like phenomenal, yeah. way better than I play acoustic guitar, way better. <laughs> yeah. If you follow, uh, if you follow Simon Daniels uh, on Twitter, he occasionally posts some of his uh, playing. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's great. Then he plays, you know, he plays keyboards. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, the guy is so multi-talented. Matter of fact, our, we had to do a bonus track for Japan and we did a piano version acoustic piano version of take me higher is a bonus track and it's absolutely incredible in fact i would love to do a video of it it came out so amazing i'm i'm looking they're they're gonna love it over there yeah that's great i have a patreon a question from one of my patreon subscribers wants to know if you guys feel like you're sort of chained to the song turn up the radio or do you still enjoy playing that song i love playing it you know, I, I don't feel chained to any of the songs. You know, I like playing, uh, even though it's, it's uh, you know, I, I like playing Blondes and Black Cars. I, I just dig that song. I don't know why. I, I like it. It's kind of just a cool rock and roll song. And uh, uh, I know Steve Unger loves playing uh, My Girlfriend's Boyfriend Isn't Me. He digs that one a lot, you know. Yeah. So it's um, a great song. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's it's cool. <laughs> Story. 
and and you know there's no guitar solo in that song but i just you know it's it's cool to play some of the uh uh a couple of the other things so no i'm not i don't feel chained to playing it it's it's an honor to play it it's a great track mm -hmm. and and you know honestly like you said earlier you know the 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 reputation that autograph had as being a one-hit wonder band the majority of the audience I, I hate to say it, like a lot of times when we're playing, don't really recognize a lot of the other songs because yeah. we play, you know, festivals a lot. They don't recognize a lot of the other songs, except for the people that are really hardcore autograph fans, you know, uh, will will know a bunch of the other material. But, you know, everybody will at least know Turn Up the Radio pretty much, you know, so yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things. That's the one that every like even the casual fans, they've heard it. And as soon as it starts up and it hits the chorus, they're they're singing along right there with you. Yeah, yeah. It's like I tell when I when people ask me, oh, you know, I probably say I play with autograph, and they and they 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 don't really know what that is for a minute. I say, oh, they were you know, band from the '80s. They did a song, turn up the radio, and then they go, oh, you mean the song that went turn up the radio? I go, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> that's they always the one. have to sing it to me though. That's even funnier. That's funny. Yeah. I just I just uh, when I was telling my boss I had this interview to go do i had to sing it for him to remind him of the song too so <laughs> <laughs> that's great let's turn our attention toward the house of lords saints and sinners album came out september 16th it, this i believe is your ninth album with house of lords yes yeah so nine a albums a little bit different that's a lot of writing songs right there <laughs> a little bit different than your time in autograph so far but you know for those who don't know uh, house of lords was formed in 1987 by former Angel and Jafria keyboardist Greg Jafria, although he left the band again quite some time ago, a lot of turnover in this band as well over the years. And this is uh, James Christian on vocals and guitars. He's been the lead singer since '88. Uh, yourself on guitars as well. You uh, you joined in 2005, yeah. I believe. Uh, Mark Mangold on keyboards and Johan uh, Kolberg on drums. This thing is a lot different than the new autograph album very much a keyboard album and very heavy with keyboards as opposed to what autographs doing and again though just great melodic rock and the, in fact the word melodic in all caps is what i wrote down for the song saints and sinners the, the title track and it's got a great little solo in this song absolutely you know i i love that that track you know um uh, doing that song house of the lords you know that that particular one mm -hmm. the album you know we brought in a different uh we brought in mark mangold on this 
Uh, I've never worked with him before. James told me about him uh, when uh, we were doing the uh, doing the new record. And um, it's one of those things that just came together really well. It was a pleasure to have somebody because I when I started with House of Lords, I, I wrote as much as I could with uh, certain things. Mm-hmm. And James would play keyboards and, you know, add his layers of vocals and and everything else. And, uh, you know, honestly, he would take even my heaviest guitar riffs or whatever that I might send him, but they became a House of Lords song by the time he uh, got done with them. And it it was just amazing. But bringing in, uh, you know, a real keyboard player that's, you know, that's uh, with all these different tracks that he has and keyboard sounds and everything just really brought the album to a different level. So we're, you know, very pleased with it. And Mark, you know, I haven't met Mark yet, but he seems to be such a wonderful person. We, you know, we've chatted back and forth through uh, uh, Facebook Messenger. So. <laughs> it's great in, uh, in 2022. I mean, it's been this way for a little while, but you can be in a band w- and make an album with people that you've never met before. <laughs> always. Yeah. It's always like that. You know, I, I, I can't even tell you, even since 2005, I've never been in a, a, a studio with a complete with a complete band recording an album it's i i don't remember the last time i've done that it's like uh when bj was drumming with us i would go to bj's house he lived uh he lived literally seven ten minutes from my house so i would go over there he had all the recording equipment so i never needed my own studio mm-hmm. i'd write something at my house and then uh go back and uh go for it you know and just record it at his place and it's great you know yeah. So is is House of Lords more James's band? Is it less collaborative than than Autograph or is it just a different kind of collaboration? No, it's different. Yeah, no, it's it James and I do everything together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like that. I was pretty busy uh when he first approached me on on doing this. You know, here's the thing. I've written so many songs for House of Lords that James forgets about things like I, you know, every House of Lords record that I've ever done, I've written about uh, 15 to 16 songs. Always. I always, and there's always extra songs left over. So I I told James, for example, two of the track, Roll Like Thunder, is a track that I I wrote for uh, one of the albums and just never got used. I said, James, you've got to go back and listen to this track. Cause he gets overwhelmed because I sent him so much stuff, you know? And so he went back and listened to it and he flips out, you know, he goes, Oh my God, that's, that's great. 
taking my heart back. That was another song that I wrote for, uh, I think this last, uh, the last album before here, new world, new eyes. That really? was one of the last tracks that I wrote that didn't get used. And then all of a sudden I, I resent it to him and he absolutely loved it. It came up with an amazing track for it. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just great. House of Lords doesn't seem to to get um, to play live like uh, like Autograph does. Is that no? Is that that's that's one of my main reasons I joined Autograph. Yeah. We would do an album and go on tour in Europe. You know, Autograph is more geared towards Europe as opposed to uh, the states. So it, it was one of these things where I was uh, I wanted to play more. The whole band did, which is back even back in. You know, as as we were touring, which is one of the reasons that Chris McCarville, BJ, and I formed Max Explosion, because Max Explosion was we wanted to do something during our time that we weren't touring with House of Lords. You know, mm-hmm. it, we just wanted to keep as busy as possible. But um, uh, it's it's one of these things that they would go over there for a short period, and right as the bands really start to gel, you know, because you know you go over to Europe, it takes a takes about a week or so to find your footing and every you know then once mm-hmm. the we're there and then before you know it three four weeks the tour is done over there because it's very expensive to tour europe and then we're back home and it's like oh can't we go back or something you know mm-hmm. and it's like uh he's, and then james would say well we'll start writing another record and stuff so you know when i got approached by randy for this uh autograph thing it was a no-brainer you know, I, I said, no, I want to play more. I said, this is, yeah, let's do this. So, um, you know, I, I love going out, you know, this weekend I'm, I'm off to the whiskey a go-go. So that'll be fun. Awesome. We're headlining that. <laughs> I got to get out there one of these days just to knock that off the bucket list. I haven't. I, I believe it or not, after all, <laughs> in my entire career, this is my first time playing there. Really? Yeah. In my entire career my, that I've been, you know, the 64 years that I've been on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm glad you get to do that. That's finally yeah. uh, something you can knock off your list. Yeah. Um, do you approach writing guitar solos differently for House of Lords than you do for Autograph? Not guitar solos. Uh, the songs I do. Yeah. I uh, When I write songs, I I always try to keep who, I, who my singer is. Uh, that's That's how I determine what kind of a song i could give to a particular singer like for example gotta get you uh gotta get you i i actually had written that for house of lords that was uh on a one of my demos 
And all, every time James listened to it, he really liked the track. He really liked it, but never did anything with it. And and then the next album come up, I, I would tell him that track's been around for a long time since I think 2014 or something like that, maybe even a little earlier. And um, he'd always go back and listen to it, but he couldn't. It, it wasn't something that ended up with him. I sent it. So I sent it to Simon and it was an instant like, boom. You know, mm-hmm. I said, what do you think of this? And it, it clicked instantly. He came back with, you know, this cool rock and roll song. And I was like, ah, oh, this is what this song needed. Thank God, you know, because I really didn't want the track to go to waste, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have a favorite song on uh, Saints and Sinners? Well, I got, I, you know, I love Roll Like Thunder. And I'm not saying that because I wrote it, but I really like that song. It's just very, very cool. Mm-hmm. But I would say I really like, uh, house of the lords you know i like i like that the whole with the keyboard intro then when it comes into dun, 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 you know the whole galloping thing yeah, yeah. i dig that that's very cool It is. It's very cool. So, Jimmy, is there a place where people can buy these records that help the bands more than, say, going on Amazon to buy them? No. No? Not that I know of, unfortunately. So I know you can get them on the Frontiers uh, Frontiers website. That's that's um, always good to get them there. You yeah. Know? And, and a lot of times, I haven't checked on these two releases specifically, but a lot of times you can get an exclusive... Uh, colored vinyl at the the frontiers web house of lords uh, the house of lords one has it a matter of fact james sent me one it's beautiful it's blue (laughs) (laughs) that's so good because you would you would be amazed at how many people i've talked to who don't get a copy of the product sent to them and i'm not just speaking like i'm not about frontiers but like a lot of people they just never get a copy of the stuff no i know it's uh it's you know i always ask I think record companies should do that. I mean, especially uh, it, it'd be good to, to give their artists their product. Frontiers has always been good, no matter what, though. Honestly, yeah. they're 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 a great company to deal with. You know, everybody has their own opinion. I've heard other people say things, but you know what? I've known Mario and Serafino now for you know 16, 17 years. They've always treated me great. Always, always top-notch people. Everybody in that hole that's involved with that company uh, has, has always been wonderful. So if someone says something negative about them, I, I can't, you know, agree with them because I, I, you know, they treat me great. Yeah. Do you have like a little, uh, corner of your house where you've got like a copy of everything you've been on? I, uh, hold on. I have a rack. Do you see that rack? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, it's a it's in the shape of a guitar. <laughs> and all uh, your stuff there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I have. It goes all the way down to the uh, floor. Most most of those are records I played. However, I there is a lot of one off records that I have done. You know, uh, like solo shot. You know, a single solo on somebody's album that I don't mm -hmm. have, and that um, my webmaster uh, Terry D Lane on my website. She there's a collage of every single record that I appear on. Cause I have, a, I have a lot of tracks that I played on uh, for the world wrestling entertainment say, cause I mm -hmm. played guitar for, I played since about 2006. I believe I had done some up to about 2006 to about 2015. I was doing uh, whenever the producer, Jim Johnson needed some crazy guitar playing, he would call me cause I'm not that far from uh, Stanford, Connecticut where the WWE headquarters is. Right. Yeah. So I would go down there and usually on a Monday, because it was going to get aired that night on Monday Night Raw, I'd play, uh, you know, some crazy guitar, get out of there. And the next thing I know, I'm listening to myself on Monday Night Raw with, uh, coming out, you know, out of my TV. And I'm going, oh, my God, it's the coolest thing ever, you know, <laughs> Yeah. as a wrestler is walking out to me playing guitar. It's great. You know, that's different. That's uh, you get to do walkout music. You get to do, uh, you know, be part of this, uh, you know classic 80s band you get to be part of house of lords it's a uh, it's great to have a little variety in your career yeah it's been it's been a good life you know it, i i'm i'm very blessed uh you know look i'm not i'm not rich by any means you know it's you know uh, but i've i've been very blessed to be able to do what i like and what i truly love and it i i don't know what else i would have done if i didn't play guitar honestly i I, I hate to say it, but all I know how to do is play guitar. This <laughs> is one of those things. I'm I'm a guitar player. I, I I the thing never left my hands from the day that I picked it up. It's I'm I've been dedicated to uh to that instrument, and I and never looked back. You know. Yeah. Well, um, that you you've done very well with it. The albums are Beyond by Autograph and Saints and Sinners by House of Lords, both on Frontiers Music. Buy the album, buy some merchandise, uh, follow Jimmy's uh, social media, go visit his website. And um, Jimmy, I hope these do really well for you. They're both fantastic records. I was, uh, when I, when the opportunity came to talk to somebody from Autograph, I specifically asked for you because- I know you did. Awards. I appreciate that very much. That was very kind of you. It was, uh, a, it was a pleasure to be on here with you. If uh, if you ever need to do a, a two-part, uh, part two interview, I'm up for it. I'm sure we'll we'll talk again down the line because it sounds like you, you're a very, very busy man. So uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for telling me about these records. I wish you nothing but the utmost success with them. And, um, you know, again, appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>